morning, good afternoon, good evening, or I'm good already. This Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. For those of you listening to the pre-recorded version, yes, it is going to be a couple hours late. Mostly because I record it live on Twitch. Twitch has a 24-hour exclusivity contract with the podcast and anything I put out live. And I had to wait in prepping this because on July 7th, the day that I'm recording this, every AMD embargo dropped. We have the benchmarks for the Ryzen 3000 series processor. We have the benchmarks for the AMD Navi GPUs. We know everything now. And it's no longer leaked benchmarks from from AMD. No suspicious this or that. We have the official word. But before we even get into that, I just want to cover this one headline. Not even the entire article. Just the, just the headline. Because the headline actually says a lot about the current the current landscape in the smartphone market more than 10 million people have installed the fake scam updates for Samsung app Just let that sink in. Here's here's the part I love about this. If you have a Samsung phone, you have the updater already pre-installed on the phone. The only reason you download this is if because A, you're a sucker, or B, misinformed, or C, you rooted the phone. First off, if you're rooting the phone, well, that's on you. Do your research, play it smart. You're delving into powers you barely comprehend. And I say that even as an expert in the topic. You are delving in powers you barely comprehend. Be careful, be cautious. If you're not rooting the phone, stop it. Stop downloading system apps from a third party. Don't do that. These are 10 million people that... This headline should not exist in a world where people think logically. There. That bothered me to no end. Alright, let's talk about the NVIDIA RTX cards. In addition to the AMD embargoes being lifted earlier in the week, we got the... We actually have the benchmarks now for the RTX... 2060 Super and RTX 2070 Super. Yes, 
Those are the names they're sticking with. No, I am not happy with them. I am still not happy with them. I think these cards, the the name is a joke. To make things even worse, there's going to be an RTX 2080 Super as well. Which will sit somewhere between the 2080 and the 2080 Ti. But here's the killer part. The lineup now will be at the baseline. The RTX, I'm sorry, the GTX 1650. Which if you're talking about just raw performance, you should not buy. The only reason you buy the RTX 1650 is because you are upgrading a Dell Optiplex or an HP Pro, I forgot what. I forgot what HP calls their basic pro desktops. It's something nobody cares about. The only reason you're doing it is because you went and got some off-lease system for like 100 bucks or less. No, 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 not the laptops, not the pro book. The actual desktops. I think it might just be called ProTop. It doesn't matter. The point is, the only time you're going to get this, or actually, no, I should also include Lenovo, the uh, the Think Centers. I know they're still called the Think Centers. The only reason you get the, the GTX 1650 is because you bought a system on the cheap, and you just want some GPU performance in there without needing a 6-pin. It's the only reason you do it. If the computer has a 6-pin, which if you hand-built it, it will. Or it's an actual performance computer, it will. You're going to go with a GTX 1660 or 1660 Ti. So you have those at the bottom line. Then you have the RTX 2060. That still exists. And that will be sitting at the $350 mark. Then you have the RTX 2060 Super. This is the new card. This will sit at 400. It's basically just the RTX 2060 Ti. Then you have the RTX 2070 Super. And this sits at the price of 5 hundred dollars and yes the RTX 2070 is now dead it is gone what's currently out there in the supply chain that is it that's all that's left those can probably actually be picked up for a decent deal because manufacturers are going to want to Get rid of those. And considering the fact that the 2070 Super is launching at the exact same price and has more performance than the 2070, there might be a a deal to get there. I'll have to keep an eye out myself, even though I have, like, so many other things I should be getting first. Then, after that, you'll have what everyone's saying is the RTX 2080 Super, which will replace the RTX 2080 even though the RTX 2080 Super is not out yet, which basically makes the 2080 a dead card walking. 
which makes you wonder why. Why should I get this then? And then after that is the RTX 2080 Ti. Now, these cards launched and it forced AMD to drop their price. The AMD Navi GPUs, which I'm now going to go out of the order of my stack, now sit at, with the Radeon RX 5700, that now sits at $350. And its performance is better than the RTX 2060, but worse than the RTX 2060 Super. The 5700 XT is priced at $400, and that performs better than the RTX 2060 Super, but less than the 2070 Super. Now, these prices I just told you for the Navi GPUs were lowered from what they originally announced. They ended up after the super cards were released, saying, hey, we haven't released these cards yet, but uh, Shazam, price drop. And it actually kind of made it look like, even though it's not the case, it made it look like AMD was caught with their pants down. Like, it was just like, oh. It did not make them look good. I should also mention there is going to be a Radeon RX 5700 XT 50th Anniversary Edition for $450 with, like, a cool gold trim and whatnot on it. So now, the RTX line is priced a bit more reasonably, but not to the point that they were in the past. The RTX cards are still higher priced than the same sort of cards from previous generations. But it is still better than it was. And fortunately, with the launch of Navi, despite the fact that it didn't really blow anyone away with their performance numbers... It is still good enough to force a bit of competition. And now, we actually, and, and now we've actually got choices. If all you care about is performance and you don't care about things like real-time ray tracing or anything of that nature... then the Navi GPUs are for you. If, however, you do want that nice, shiny ray tracing and all the various little features that the RTX line has, notice I'm not mentioning the fact that the NVIDIA card... One of the things that actually NVIDIA, like, toted a lot, and I, I pretty much neglected to cover it at all because it's just kind of an F feature to me, is the fact that 
NVIDIA insists that they have one of the best GPU encoders for streaming with OBS. You want to know why I haven't been covering it? Because, yes, it's a good improvement, but it means it means if you're streaming, you are putting extra stress on your GPU to do it. Which means you are now investing more money to the GPU, which is now officially the most expensive component in your system. Just be able to use your GPU as the encoder, while your CPU... Which, by the way, when it comes to gaming, has hilarious amounts of overhead. Like, modern desktop CPUs are not sweating at all to game. Unless you do, like, a Core i5 or a Ryzen 5. Anything, anything like that. If you're intentionally putting a lower-powered CPU in, then it might work out a bit. But if you're loading up an i7, an i9, an, an R7, or an R9, the game's barely touching it. On top of that, CPU encoding is still much higher quality. The NVIDIA encoder is good, don't get me wrong. But from a quality point of view, CPU is still better. From a cost savings point of view, CPU is also still better. Especially when you look at the new Ryzen CPUs. The Ryzen 3000 series. AKA Ryzen 2 is out now. And remember how I kept saying, don't worry about the benchmarks, wait until the official ones come out, let's let's wait until we actually have some independent benchmarks, let's see what everyone has to actually say about it, rather than trust the ones that came from who knows where, could have come from in AMD themselves and just want to be, and just want to spark a hype train. Well, the independent ones are out. And, um, there's no other way to really phrase this. AMD, in the mainstream market for, of CPUs, is now the king. There's a few little tests where Intel edges out by just slightly more than a margin of error, but as far as single-core performance, AMD is basically right there. Core count, AMD wins. Pro applications, AMD wins. Multi-threaded workloads, AMD wins. Price performance, AMD stomp Intel.
over a decade, I legitimately have felt bad for the 80 fanboys. And even to the point with some of them just saying, I'm sorry, but you are thinking illogically. You're putting faith by a company that has shown nothing, no signs of actually trying anymore. That has officially changed. CPU-wise, AMD's the king. Now, when it comes to overclocking, the early report reportings, and mostly the only one really talked about right now, is the German overclocking lunatic Debauer. And I mean that in the best way possible. Debauer is just an absolute madman. Those of you who have seen his stuff, you know I'm right. He's already gone through and tested the new Ryzen GPUs under liquid nitrogen for overclocking and overclocking quite as well as Intel chips. Now, this could be early driver support not being there. Specifically, Jay's Two Cents has reported that the core utilization is just not at optimum. So there could be more overclocking potential down the road. There could be more performance that we could get out of the Ryzen 3000 series. But here's what it boils down to. If you were to ask me, Regardless of what kind of build you want to go with, my answer is going to be some kind of a Ryzen chip. You want an encoding machine for, for streaming? It's going to be Ryzen. You want to do video editing? It's going to be Ryzen. You want to do basic freaking family PC and playing Neopets well then I'm going to tell you to go spend 80 bucks on an Optiplex and be happy forever because I mean you're not asking for much but other than that anything that actually justifies building a system there's no reason to pick Intel right now unless you're building a server but that's mostly because hey the new the new generation of Threadripper and Epic chips aren't here there's a good chance when those launch hey those Xeons are going to look pretty overpriced I'll tell you right now, the AMD crowd is sitting back in their chair with the biggest smirk on their face. And you know what? They deserve it.
well done, AMD. Just straight up, well done. You've got a respectable GPU out there. We want to see more. We want to see better from that. It's actually making NVIDIA try a little itty-bitty bit. But as far as CPU... Seriously, come up with a reason to to pick Intel. You literally can't. Not when the 3900X is sitting out there with 16 cores. Well done. There is one thing, though, that does annoy me. The new AMD chips are still using pins. That annoys me a little bit. Because it does mean the nightmare of the golden mangled comb is still possible. So, store your chips well when not using them. And AMD, I look forward to in a couple of years when your promise of making a socket last for five generations expires and you can go LGA on the mainstream Ryzen chips as well. Now, one last thing before I close the book on the AMD news. And that has to do with the chipset. I kind of been intentionally ignoring some of the news about the X570 chipsets. And what the heck is going on? We are like... Hmm, we're having some problems with with the main system today, all of a sudden. Maybe my Intel system is detecting that... That that uh, I'm talking smack about it. And it's just misbehaving. Weird. We'll keep an eye on that. Regardless, um... The chipset for the new AMD chip, for the new AMD processors, the specifically the X570. This includes support for PCI Express Gen 4. These boards are going to cost a bit extra because it costs more to manufacture that that particular chipset. Well, it's it's true. In addition, it also requires active cooling on the chipset. Now, as a crazed lunatic who uses decommissioned workstations, I am not a stranger to active cooling on heat, on chipsets. I mean, for crying out loud, my entire system is basically built... Like the new Mac Pro. There's just giant fans on the front that just actively cools literally everything on there. And then for good measure, it has another fan on top of the chipset just to cool that too. 
because it's an insano rig. So that in itself doesn't bother me, like, at all. It may, however, bother you as a builder. Because now it means there's a small fan in your system that if it fails, your chipset will overheat and impact performance drastically or just overheat and die. So, couple things on that front. First off, your Ryzen chips will work in the older chipsets. I don't know what the performance hit will be. Tom's hardware right now shows on their benchmarks that the performance drop is negligible. But before I say anything for certain, I want to see multiple tests from multiple sources. That's kind of my shtick. Multiple, 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 multiple sources. All around. That is just always the case. So I'm going to have to wait until next week for the next early early bird briefing, the next Eagle Eyes on Tech to see what happens there. Because I know there are plenty of of tech guys out there who have their hands on this that are willing to test that sort of stuff. And then we'll report on it then. So we're going to take a quick break right now. When we come back, the Twitch's... Sub-only streaming may, in fact, violate other games' terms of services. Apple might actually be getting a clue. And, of course, I have a last burb story you don't want to miss. It's, It's a special one. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. So, (laughs) you thought just the viewers hated Twitch's sub-only stream viewing. You are mistaken. Turns out the game publishers hate it too, and in fact violates games... Terms of service. Yes. Blizzard Entertainment, Valve, Riot Games, as well as a few others, including Project Red, and I think that's all I have on this list. I'm sure there are many more But, according to their terms of service, streamers, content creators, or influencers can, can in fact, stream the content of their games as long as it is not behind a paywall. Pretty much every Let's Player and every streamer in the world never has put a paywall behind it. In fact, their work is funded... Pretty much exclusively by donations, subscriptions, 
and ad revenue. And t-shirts with beams on them. But the subscriber-only mode of Twitch, the one that says only subscribers who pay $5 a month can view the stream, flies in direct conflict with the terms of services of many of these big game developers. So not only would streaming in sub-only completely alienate the streamer from their user base and basically be stream suicide in that regard, but on top of also completely pissing off their entire fan base, they then could face legal action from the game developer themselves. Wow. Just, just wow. What more can you say to this? Oh boy. So there you have it. Um, here's my advice to any streamer listening to this. Don't. Just don't. You, this is kind of one of those things where I usually think that streamers at least have the same level of common sense that I do when it comes to streaming, because I admit, although I have been a Twitch streamer for over three years, which still seems super surreal to me, I admit, I have a lot to learn. But it blows me away how many stupid mistakes I see done. Like, Streamers with, like, one viewer enabling follow follower-only mode that says you have to be a follower for at least an hour before you can chat. Yeah, maybe in your head that seems like a good idea. It's a good way to make sure that the trolls can't just come in and just say whatever stupid stuff they want. But I'll tell you what, as a viewer, if I come in and see that you're in that mode... I can't even say hello. I'm out. I'll just move on to the next guy. I guarantee you that's what every single person will do. It's it's an even bigger middle finger if you're in subscriber only. Oh, wow, you're streaming that game I like, but I have to pay you five bucks to view it? No, no bye. Goodbye. So no, don't do it. No matter what kind of logical knots you, ta- you tie yourself in, 
don't do it. But I just want to try it since, you know, I can do it and it won't hurt my my viewership total for the purpose of getting closer to partner. Yeah, for that stream it won't. It will for the next stream and 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 the next stream. It's just not a good plan. And you can still look at it as Twitch trying to come up with a new method. Someone in the chat just also said this as well. You can look at this as, as Twitch trying to find a new way to get more revenue out of someone. And you might be right. I am still going to stick with my original theory that this feature of sub-only streams is not for 99% of the streamers on Twitch. The only people it's going to be used for are, as they're called, the whale streams. And for the, we're trying to pretend we're TV by offering... A marathon of a TV show stream. I still feel like this is the easiest prediction in the world. I think at some point in the near future, there will be a Game, Game of Thrones marathon on Twitch, sponsored by HBO, and it will be subscriber only. I still feel that is a strong possibility. Or the Super Bowl, like Rayko in the chat just said. Something like that as well. I mean, yeah. Twitch has been pushing. You know, actually, speaking speaking of American football in general, I actually do wonder if there would be the Super Bowl on Twitch. Because, like, almost all of us here on Twitch just assume that it's Twitch trying to get more content by getting the sports on. With how much the NFL has been trying to push Thursday Night Football. I still think it's the NFL trying to make that push, not Twitch. Like, you'd only know this if you're actually, like, as alert about what's going on in the NFL as someone who actually, like, watches football. Wasn't this year's Super Bowl streamed on Twitch? I actually don't know. I don't think it was, question mark? But the point is, is that there has been a huge push for Thursday Night Football. To the point where that's almost the only thing that the NFL advertises. That If anything happens on on Sunday or Monday night or anything of that nature, pfft, not even talked about. Thursday night, oh boy, we want to make that Thursday night thing a, a real thing. All right, have I have I scared everyone away by talking about sports ball long enough? I think I have. I think there's a strong possibility that's a thing that happened. 
Should we talk about how Apple might actually be getting a clue? Who gives a bleep about Thursday Night Football? Literally no one. <laughs> even, the, even NFL fans hate Thursday Night Football. Like, no joke. It's the most awkward thing in the world because it's late at night. It means you have to stay up late in order to watch it. The only time you're going to watch it is, is if either A, it's your team in there, or B, you're a fantasy football nut, which I, I still don't understand fantasy football. I'm sorry. I just don't. Even, even us fans hate it. Oh, hate it. It's super dumb. Because it, it then means Friday morning, everyone's... You can tell who the who the NFL fans are, because... No joke. Thursday night Packer game, I'd come, into, I'd come into work the next day. Three quarters of the plant is just exhausted, because they had to stay up late for it. Anyway, back to Apple. So, one thing that uh, iOS 13 is actually getting is using that facial tracking camera that they've got built into the devices to make uh, tracking your face for eye contact with FaceTime better. It'll actually go and alter your picture a little bit. So that it always looks like you're actually looking at the person rather than just above the person at the camera or just below them. Because normally how it works, okay, so there's a camera at the top of the phone, right? And that's looking at your face. Your eyes are not looking at the camera. Your eyes are looking at the screen where that person is iOS 13, using the facial tracking camera, will alter the picture so it looks like you are looking at them rather than just above them or just below them. Why am I talking about this? It's for one major reason. Who asked for this? Personally, this has never bothered me ever. I ask you, chat, does anyone here care when using an app like, like FaceTime, does anyone care that it does not look like they're looking directly at you? Can they just deep fake it so I don't need to look at the person at all? Push chat. Helpful as always. <laughs> but that's my point! 
really the feature no one asked for. Let's talk about a feature that people have, in fact, asked for. The replacement of the hated, underlined, hated butterfly switch keyboard. Now, believe it or not, I know this is going to sound surreal to a lot of the recent listeners of this podcast, but I am Apple agnostic. I call tech as I see it. Whether it's Apple-based, Windows-based, Linux-based, Sony, Microsoft, HP, Dell, Huawei, Apple, doesn't matter to me. I care about results. And recently, and by recently I mean the last two and a half years, I have been on an Apple bashing spree. Because pretty much every Apple product outside of the Mac Mini and the iPhone has been a tragic nightmare. There is not a good Apple laptop out there, period. That you can buy new, period. I should put a caveat on there. And most of it has to do with the butterfly switch keyboard. The keyboard that has almost no travel time on the keyboard And then the slightest amount of dust, not even crumbs, but dust that gets trapped under the key causes the keyboard to fail. And because of the terrible, atrocious anti-repairman construction of the MacBooks, it costs hundreds of dollars to replace the blasted laptop. I said the blasted laptop. I meant the keyboard. Only to then, because the keyboard is flawed from the design level, fail again just a couple weeks to a couple months later. But it's okay. Because there's a repair program in place. So for the next couple of years, we can just replace the keyboard for you. Except you know when those couple of years are over, and our terribly designed defective keyboard is broken, then you're SOL, and then you have to pay us a couple hundred dollars on every other laptop manufacturer in the world makes it so that pretty much anyone can replace the keyboard with a screwdriver. 
Not Apple, though. No. Reports, however, show that Apple has finally learned its lesson. After years of making the same blitheringly stupid decision, they are finally reportedly switching back to a scissor switch style keyboard. This means that these reports are correct. The death of the butterfly switches, which should remain dead for the rest of time. This means we might actually see keyboards that are actually usable. Now, a scissor switch design does mean that the keyboard mechanism is going to be thicker. This means that the Mac laptops might be thicker come the next generation. Honestly, I think that's a good thing. Not for the MacBook or the MacBook Air. Those can be thinner. But for the Pro laptops, I'm sorry, but it's normal for a professional laptop to have some heft to it. You want to know why? Because a professional laptop has hot, powerful components to do actual, real work. It is not normal for a professional laptop to idle at the temperatures the MacBook Pro idles at. Hopefully they'll take the chance when using these newer keyboards to let the laptop be thicker, to let a better cooling solution come into place. I can hope. But then you look at some of the other articles too. More potential evidence that Apple might be learning. A repair program has been put into place for 2018 MacBook Airs to replace the logic board. To replace a problem that they found. Now... There haven't been any widespread reports of problems with these logic boards. But this is, again, much like with the previous, or the uh, the battery replacement program for the 2016 MacBook Pros. This is, again, Apple actually trying to get ahead of a problem rather than waiting to see if people notice it, which has been the normal problem. I said 2016. I meant 2015. And, you know, only now, speaking of that 2015 MacBook Pro, only now have we actually started seeing evidence of there actually being a problem. Pictures have surfaced of a few 
MacBook Pros where the battery caught fire and soot and ash was found under the trackpad. And wow, a hole burned through on the back. Woo! Old Apple would have allowed several of these to occur before acting on it and saying, see, you can trust us. You know, I got to wonder something. It's hard for me not to look at these actions, these rumors saying that various design aspects are being tossed aside and make me wonder, has Johnny Ive actually been the problem? We reported last week, or was it two weeks ago? I can't remember. Johnny Ive, who is the lead design director at Apple and has been since the 90s, has left the company to go start off his own venture. He's gone, and already we're seeing different actions out of Apple. could very well be a coincidence. And it's very hard for me to imagine that that's the case, that Johnny Ive was part of the problem, when Johnny Ive was one of the ones who designed the iMac G5. An iMac that literally, you can place the thing face down on a table and remove three screws and bam, you had access to literally everything. Like, is that not a strange thought? How many, of you, how many of you even knew that Apple made an all-in-one computer, an iMac, that you could repair if you got the parts? That seems surreal in today's day and age. It was the same case with the Cube G4. Even the original Mac Minis were admittedly a little difficult to get into because it required two putty knives to get into, but it was still respectably repairable and used respectably universal parts with, of course, the exceptions being the power supply and the motherboard, but it was still SO DIMMs, a socketed chip, and just... A slot-loaded laptop drive using a SATA connector. You could upgrade the thing. It wasn't that hard. Same thing with the G4. Of course, all the Power Macs and the Mac Pros were all upgradable, but I mean, that's the point. Laptops, too, were not that hard to get into. Johnny Ive designed them all. So it's kind of hard for me to imagine that he's the problem, but I might have to start thinking he might have been. So we're seeing a lot of changes recently that could be, but at the same time, it's still very, 
very, very early. The future is solder and glue. Accept it. Oh, that reminds me, actually. Speaking of solder. I don't think I actually talked about it here in the podcast, but I was talking with a bunch of other people before the podcast. The new AMD chips do, are, are I'm sorry, do, they are soldered for the IHS. So one of the things that Intel did recently, and this actually upset the um, the high-performance community, is that they used a non-conductive paste that was not as effective as solder to connect the CPU die to the integrated heat spreader. All of the AMD chips are soldered, as they should be. So there is no reason to de-lid an AMD chip. For those of you who are just like, wait, what? IHS what? Basically, don't worry about it. It means AMD didn't mess up there. Maybe. Maybe Apple will actually switch back to socketed storage. What a concept. Android will soon have an equivalent to Apple's AirDrop file sharing. It's a feature that will be called Fast Share, and it will replace the Android Beam feature that everyone forgot about. Let's be honest, all anyone here who uses Android, did you remember that you had Android Beam? Any of you? None of you did. Yeah, exactly. No, not like Dropbox. Dropbox is cloud storage. And I'm going to get to... With Dropbox. But no, FastShare will let you transmit files quickly from Android phone to Android phone. And it will actually not suck, unlike Android Beam. Android Beam, what it was, was that was that uh, you had two Android phones, they'd have to be near each other, and they'd use NFC to transfer data between each other. Whereas FastShare will do it over Wi-Fi, and therefore you would not have to have the phones near each other to use NFC. It's basically what Apple's AirDrop is. You know what the you know what the part I love about this? I'm talking about this, do you, you know what the chat's entire comment is? I just use Dropbox or I just use Google Drive. I just use, you know, pick a cloud service cuz you know that's kind of the point of a cloud service. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I mean, they're not you're you aren't wrong. That is kind of the point of a cloud service. 
is just say, all right, here, just go grab it. Because now it's not even you need to be on the same Wi-Fi network as someone else. Now it's just, here, go get it from here. Here's the link. Have fun, kid. All right, let's talk Huawei. Yes, I'm sick of t- I'm sick of talking about Huawei as much as you are too, but we got to talk about it because this actually is good-ish news. Actually, that's just it. It's just good-ish news. Some restrictions on Huawei are lifted. As U.S. White House goes back to negotiating table with China. This includes... Google being able to provide Huawei with Android updates. So if you have a Huawei phone, I have good news you will be able to still get updates. Your phone will still be secure and you won't have to worry about anywhere in the near future anyway of Huawei making a terrible Chinese knockoff operating system that's going to run on future Huawei phones. And if you're curious, no, I have not heard any updates about FedEx's progress in trying to sue the U.S. government Because they had one user be stupid and send back a package because it contained a Huawei phone. I'm sorry, the FedEx story still blows me away. Like... Like, FedEx just had one idiot, and now they go sue the U.S. government because one idiot was an idiot. Oh, God. I can't wait to hear about that one. But yeah, that's where Huawei phones stand right now. It's all going to come down to basically how how the trade negotiations go. Because right now, neither side's going to back down. Well, I mean, let me rephrase that. The U.S. is not going to back down. You're kind of at the point now in this renegotiation where you literally can't. So it's all going to come down to the trade negotiation getting getting redone. But the key thing right now in how that's going is China does not want to agree to trying to force Chinese companies to stop trying to steal our stuff. That's basically where the current breakdown point, as far as I know, granted, the whole U.S. versus China trade deal thing is a massive argument. It is, 
it is a massive picture to try and get the full grasp on. But as far as I understand it right now, the biggest breaking point is that the U.S. wants China to actually help them in following up on warrants and on attempts to stop blatant counterfeiting, and China doesn't want to. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that needs to stop. <laughs> All right. Here's something else that I actually find really, really interesting and actually could be a big, big deal. A court case has ruled that Amazon can be held liable for third-party seller products. This means that, say, cheap Chinese knockoff stuff that is not built for specifications and doesn't follow proper protocol, like cables that catch fire, um, Amazon can be held liable for that. That's a big deal. Because on one hand, for the consumer, hallelujah. How many times do you go on Amazon and just like, this seems like a great deal. You look a bit more into it and go start going, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Especially in the electronics area. How much terrible Chinese knockoff pirated emulator consoles can we find? Heck, every single one of Soldier Boy's consoles that he tried to sell were being sold by the original manufacturer for less. And of course, all of them were just awful systems that ran slower than the original hardware. Because, you know, that's what I want. I want an NES emulator that can handle fewer sprites than the original NES. Yeah, that sounds appealing. Or I'd love to pick up a USB Type-C cable that catches fire after so many hours of use. I mean, don't you want that? You, you don't want your cables to just catch fire spontaneously? Because it didn't follow the USB Type-C specification? So on one hand... That's a huge plus. On the other hand, as someone who used to sell electronics on Amazon, I go, so, um, what's going to happen to us? So what happens if Amazon is then sued and held liable because... Let's say, let's pretend I got a faulty batch of USB cables. And I didn't know it. My vendor from, and my, my, and my supplier for a lot of that sort of stuff was, was located in Texas. My supplier in Texas ships me 
a batch of 100 USB drives. We'll say USB drives, because that's what I got a lot more of than anything else. I got a big batch of USB drives. Over half of them are wired faulty. They catch fire. So Amazon's taken to court by the 12 people who bought my USB drives. They're held liable. They have to pay out. What does Amazon then do to me? How much is my reputation now ruined? And I now can't defend myself because I'm now going up against Amazon. And Amazon's going to look at, look at me and go, you ruined us. And I go, but, 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 but they did it. No excuses. And then what do I do? With my no money, go try and sue my supplier down in Texas? Like, how this ends up working out is a big deal. It actually could affect a lot of very small independent vendors. I'll just stick to selling on eBay. That just seems like the smarter decision for the smaller vendors. Alright, let's talk about that massive uh, outage. Almost a week ago now. Yeah, we're not talking about that late at all, are we? A massive internet outage in China, which I've heard multiple different reasons for why it happened. The most common one I heard was a power outage. If you are a VAR, if you are a VAR, you you have to make sure you are adding volume, not just reselling stuff. In the case of those flash drives, they were basically there's two things we were doing with them. One, they had our uh, they had our brand on them. And second, they were also used as restore disks. So a lot of the systems that we were refurbishing, we would then make a a resource a blue excuse me a resource a restore disk that was specific to that system. So that's what we were do- doing with those. That's in my case. I don't know about other people. Anyway, enough about my business that no, no longer exists. Let's talk about how uh, Cloudflare went out and the internet was angry. Like, no joke, the entire day that Cloudflare was down, it was just like, man, my this won't work. Man, my that won't work. It's Cloudflare's fault. It's all Cloudflare's fault. No joke, Cloudflare being down 
actually made it difficult to work with a lot of systems, including Discord, Twitter, Facebook, and pretty pretty much everything was affected in one way or another. It was just a mess. Although, the one good thing to come out of it, uh, while Facebook's outage was going on during that time, um, it was actually revealed that uh, their AI, how their AI was tagging your photos, so uh, there's that. Isn't that amazing? You know what else is amazing? How much less of a crazy person I look like for trying to build my own personal cloud. So, Microsoft is about to shut off its various servers for their ebooks program. Once they do so, any ebooks you bought through Microsoft, will stop working. Why? Of all the things, it's text. It's literally text. Why does text stop existing when your DRM servers turn off? Folks, this is why I say, if you're willing to do it, personal cloud. This nonsense right here. I also say that with, okay, yes, uh, someone in the chat did have to give the correct answer. The, The answer is copyright issues. I, I, I just, the problem is now, this makes you wonder, is it worth it? Because now you spent who knows how much money on these books and they're gone forever. Poof. Never to be seen again. The end. All of it is gone. Wah, 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 wah. All right, let's shift gears drastically. Let's now start getting into some of the weird stories. And I mean the really weird stories. Someone in the chat asks, who buys books from Microsoft? No one anymore! So, you know what's kind of cool about electric vehicles? And I knew this was a thing. But it never actually hit me until a couple of days ago when I actually saw a Tesla actually drive off in a lot. But they are silent. 
Like it's just sitting there, quiet, like it's parked, and then all of a sudden, without making any noise, just meow. It's just gone. It's just moving. Just whatevs. And it's kind of cool in a weird sort of way. Well, the fun police have to get in the, get in the way by saying electric cars need to have something on them to emit noise to add to safety. Oh, it was so cool. Mm. Yeah, once again, it's always the EU that just seemed to be the killjoys. Which is a shame. Because I don't want to hate the EU. I don't. I really don't. But it's getting really hard not to. I mean, I get it. It's quiet. You might not hear it coming except for the sound of air moving past it. I just... I'm not sure how this is how this is the fun police. It's it's not much different than having massive trucks ha- have have to have a ba- backup beeper when reversing. You want to know a secret? You want to know a secret? The only trucks required to have that are class 7 and higher towing trucks. Those are the only ones required to have it. And the only reason that trucks have it is because, of course, there's no rearview mirror. That's it. But even then, almost every single modern truck, towing or otherwise, does have the capability of having a backup camera on there anyway. So they can, in fact, still see behind them. You can literally drive a 26-foot-long... What would be the tonnage? A... 22 ton truck which I believe is the max a straight truck can be physically and it does not have to have a backup beeper but this is the thing they do these sort of things they say okay you need to emit emit this noise you need to have daytime running lights the running lights I agree with I would not be against 
electrical cars having running lights. But, like, what kind of noise? Does it have to beep as it goes down the street? I I just, I don't get it. I really, I, I really, really don't. But the other question I have to ask. Will it actually help anyone? Because you can bubble wrap everything in the world, but then you have to ask, will that actually help? If you're going to implement any kind of safety feature, whether it be an electrical electrical car emitting an artificial sound to having lights at the top of a truck when it's moving. Does it help? We'll see. We'll see. This next story is not loading. There we go. G2A is a key reseller that is, um, I don't know, I really don't pay attention to outfits like G2A, but apparently they've been under some controversy saying that the key keys are acquired illegally, and it's now actually gotten to the point where developers are and I'm not kidding why they say it when I say this, they would rather have people pirate their games than get the keys off G2A. That is quite the claim. I actually don't know if I think they're using a saw outside and I if you if that is being picked up by the mic, I apologize. But anyway, I don't know the whole story with G2A, but that's getting pretty excessive. All right, and now the second weirdest story for something that I don't think anyone ever asked for. From Gizmodo, we have a wireless Walkman. That will transmit the audio via Bluetooth to Bluetooth headsets, but will still play old school tapes. Okay, look, I I know a lot of retro enthusiasts, people that go to extreme lengths to get the best quality they can out of retro game consoles to the point of actually having the console modified to put out true RGB signals and then running that footage through upscalers. 
to make that original game the best quality it possibly can. Who is asking for this? Who really thought, yes, audio cassette static was where it's at? I... Who are these people? But believe it or not, this is not the weirdest WTF story. No, because I'm willing to bet these people actually exist. These people I'm willing to bet do exist. Someone who wants the real feel of old school cassette, but with wireless headphones. This next story, though, this next story, admittedly not technology-based, but is still just a giant WTF to what the gaming culture is in 2019. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the last burb story to end last burb stories. The last story of the podcast, the weirdest story of the po- of the podcast. Gamer girl bathwater being put up for sale and being fully sold out in 3 days. Do I need to say any more? That's it. I'm out. I am li- I am leaving this planet. I am going I am joining Elon Musk in his crazy journey to Mars and probably get eaten along the way. That's it. I am done. Not on this planet anymore. That's going to do it for me. Thank you so much for listening. Feel free to listen to the weekly podcast which I'll try to do while on my journey to Mars. The early bird briefing, and I'll check out my Twitch page at twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon. See you next time. Okay, just please lie to me. That's that's all I want. Just just lie to me so I can have future inhumanity again. Please tell me that this is all a spoof. I know I pulled this off Insider. I know I pulled this off many 
other reliable sources. I know it's a real story, but just lie to me. Just lie to me and tell me The Onion published it and that everyone else has gotten scammed. Just just lie to me and tell me that she went and bought it and, and it's just all a giant spoof. Just please tell me I don't share the same air as these complete weirdos who went and bought up an entire bathtub full of dirty bath water. Why? Oh, it included a nude photo with each bottle. Oh. That has somehow both made it grosser and more plausible. Oh, F it. I'm still go I'm still going to Mars.